everything's a journey. Like I went from open to full solo poly in like five years. So you don't have to stick with a label. Every relationship is different. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 151. We're Finn and Emma, and today... What? You're looking at me all sly. I'm looking at you because you're a pretty lady. (laughs) Today we are talking to Gabrielle. She is amazing. She's been actually exploring non-monogamy since she was 17. Yeah, and she had... uh Grew up in Jamaica, Queens. She'll talk a little bit about this and how non-monogamy was sort of happening around her, but in sort of the unofficial way. Right. So it's a really interesting sort of backstory. And she's also a freelance writer. And we actually reached out to her a few weeks back after reading an article she wrote uh, for Self about how polyamorous people are sort of adapting to uh, adapting their relationships and and figuring things out through COVID. So we'll put links in the show notes to that uh, piece of work of hers and to her Instagram and and any way else you can find her. And yeah, we just wanted to say thank you to her for coming on and sharing her story. Before we get into our interview, we do have a couple of quick announcements. The first is community announcements. Um, We just had our last virtual meet and greet and it was badass. Yeah, we did it just uh, last Friday. We had like 40 people. It was amazing. It was amazing. We had a blast. We're not going to talk too much about it. We'll talk about it in the outro. But the next one is November 13th. So put that on your calendar Friday night. Friday the 13th at 10 p.m. Eastern, and the cost is still $10, and it is open to anybody who wants to join us. And next up is our Patreon group. Again, we're going to talk about most of this stuff in the outro, but just so you know, we do have virtual Q&As coming up. Our next one is going to be October 28th, next Wednesday. We do one at 9 p.m. Pacific or 9 p.m. Eastern, and then again at 9 p.m. Pacific. And then we also have a women's group. Our next women's group call is November 11th. So we'll talk more about all of that in the outro. But we do want to just say a gigantic, huge thank you to all of the amazing Patreon supporters that we have. We've been getting a huge influx lately, and it's awesome. We're over 120. So welcome to all of you new... We can't believe it. New We're, community members. It's yeah. amazing. It's, it's been just awesome. So thank you all. And we'll talk more about all of this in the outro. But we did want to say a huge thank you... To our sponsor... Alt Playground. Alt Playground is a dating website for non-monogamous people. I would say open-minded people. And they are pushing a lot of awesome new things out there right now. One of which is they're a partnership with Front Porch Swingers. Which is another podcast. Which is another podcast. And a bus. Well, yeah. They're, they're not <laughs> partnered with the bus. They, they're, they're creating a partnership there. Well, yeah. they So Alt Playground bought a bus, like a, an old tour bus, and they fixed it up. And Front Porch Swingers is going to be driving it around the country. I was trying to tease it a little bit. Well, I know. And now I'm trying to explain <laughs> it a little bit so people know what the hell is going on. <laughs> 
And so we don't have all of the details on what they're doing, but we talked to them uh, this morning, actually on the phone, sort of about what they're doing with this. And their original plan was to go and promote events and do all of those types of amazing things. But obviously that can't happen right now with COVID. So what they're planning to do is sort of drive around and meet and sort of like do one-on-one interviews with different event coordinators and business owners and and other podcasters. So they're going to use it to sort of build community and promote other creators on a more personal, smaller scale um, until COVID has released its uh, fangs from from our necks. Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. So anyway, all that to say, they're doing some awesome things. If you would like to check them out, you can head over to altplayground.net and sign up. You can do a three-day trial for $3.99, which... What better way to check everything know, out and perfect. see how it is? Three days. You can you can also get there through our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. There are links all over the place and in the show notes of your podcast player. And one quick last thing before we jump into the show. If you're listeners to the show, we know that we are, you know, that we are huge proponents of sexual health and knowing your STI status. If you're looking to get tested for STIs, the way we do it is by using stdcheck.com. And we highly encourage you to check that out as well. Yeah, it's an awesome service. It is about $200 for a full panel. It is super fast and easy and discreet to have it done. You do everything online. You go into a national like LabCorp or Quest. And it takes like 10 minutes, you're in, you're out, you're on your way, and you get your results the next day. So we've been using it for years and we love it. And if you use the links in our show notes or on our website, it's you get $10 off and it supports the show. Which thank you for that and enjoy the $10. We greatly appreciate it. And so you can find all of that and us at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And with that, as you were just going to say, let's jump into the show. And don't forget to reach out to us and say hello. Yes. Now, let's go talk to Gabrielle, (laughs) and we'll see you on the other side. Let's go. We're super excited to have you here, Gabrielle. We reached out to you a couple of weeks ago after finding your article on self.com about how polyamorous relationships are handling Mm -hmm. the ever-present pandemic that we're dealing with. And it was a fantastic article, and we thought, hey, we'll get her on the show and hear what she has to say. So... We'd love to have you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about who you are. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you guys. And thanks for having me. My name is Gabrielle Smith. I am a writer. I like to call myself a resource. I don't want to claim educator, but yeah, I'm New York based and I write about polyamory, relationships, sex, mental health, and the intersections of race. Yeah. I've been non-monogamous probably as long as I've been dating starting with an open relationship and then going into a kind of primary partnership. And now I am like a hundred percent poly and hundred percent solo poly. And I'm very happy, but it's been a journey. Awesome. Well, we're excited to dive Mm -hmm. into this a little bit more and hear more about your journey. Mm -hmm. Do you mind taking us back did you want to say something? Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm just excited. So I was waiting for you to, to take I, I it over. Yeah, gonna, no. I thought you were going to chime in. Do you mind taking us back to the very beginning? Like you said, when he, your dating journey started mm-hmm. and, and what that looked like. Okay. So when I was in high school, I was actually the last two years I was homeschooled because of a district mishap that we had. I was like a quiet, nerdy kid. I'd always like functioned outside of the norms in terms of the things I did and the ways I thought. I was really lucky that growing up, my mom and my 
parents in general, they weren't very like slut shamey. It was very much like, you're going to do what you want to do. And that was a result of kind of learning from their parents' mistakes. So when I was 17, I had my first boyfriend, uh, like three year long relationship. We started dating. I went to college. He was kind of on one path and I was kind of going on a different ascension. So after about a year and a half, I was at work. I was a hostess at a casino and some guy came up to me and he was flirting with me and flirting had always been on the table for my relationship. So I ended up giving him my number and my guilt complex is massive. So my boyfriend comes to pick me up from work and I told him, I was like, yeah, I I gave this guy my number. Like I'm, I didn't, I don't plan to do anything with it, but I, I do feel bad. And you know, I've, I've noticed I'm looking at other people and I really don't, I don't want to leave you, but I don't think it's fair to you for me to be experiencing these things. And early in the relationship, I had broached an open relationship to him and he wasn't for it. He was like a very mild mannered guy. But the flirting was okay with him? Cause you had mentioned that flirting was sort of inbounds play. Yeah, flirting was inbounds and it wasn't a big deal. It was more of the, I'm giving you my number. It's always kind of been like, I've never been a jealous person and nor was my partner. So we were totally fine with like little things like that. It's like, whatever, you're going to get your rocks off, but you're not doing anything serious. So yeah, so we're like sitting in the car and he says, I'm like, you know, unless you want to do an open relationship, I think we should break up. And I really thought at that point we were going to break up because he had told me before he didn't want to do an open relationship, but I think he wanted to still be together. So he said, yes. And this is, this is not ethical. This is not good. I don't suggest this at all for anyone, but it worked out that way for us. And also I think it was a more okay with him. And we had talked about it before because I'm, I'm bisexual. So it was okay. The idea of like me being with women and like, he'd always been fine with that, even though I didn't really pursue it. But yeah, so we, we just opened it up. Well, I was just curious. So it wasn't necessarily that it it wasn't that you wanted to go after the guy who gave you the number. It just, that was sort of the catalyst that started the conversation again of like, this guy gave me my number. And at the same time, I've been thinking about other people interested Mm -hmm. in other people. And if we, if we don't open our relationship, I think we have to end our relationship it sounds like was sort of the ultimatum there. Yeah, it was, that was essentially the conversation. Cause I had just been having interactions with new people because I had just started going to school and like my world was, went from being my small group of friends in high school to being much, much larger. And this was my first, like everything, my first kiss, the first time I had sex, everything. So it was with that understanding, we were like, well, we can't, be everything all the time. Like it's kind of not fair to only experience one person your whole life. Yeah. So that's the idea. Yeah. Was non-monogamy ever modeled for you growing up or was it something you were just kind of aware of? Well, see, that's, (laughs) I want to say, so I grew up in Jamaica, Queens in New York in the neighborhood. I grew up, it's 91% black. My mom is a white Latina. My father is black. And I found that like in these communities, especially in the city, these black communities, lower income communities, non-monogamy is kind of more common, but we don't have the words for it. 
and you see it normalized in like hip hop where like there's a side chick or like multiple like different children by different parents and sure there's a lot of friction but I think it is very normal in my parents relationships I didn't really see a lot of that happening but generally around me people had weird relationships and we just didn't talk about it you kind of minded your own business but yeah definitely it was like why do you have a kid from a different person while you're still married and like this and that so growing up, I don't think I had specific examples, but you kind of knew it was a thing. It was a, a thing. Like you, yeah. Yeah. Right. But it, but it hadn't necessarily been like, we're in a polyamorous relationship and here's how to do it in the, you know, ethical mm-hmm. or consensual way. It was sort of, it was going on around you. Yeah. I was yeah. just curious because so many people growing up have like monogamy modeled for mm-hmm. them and no, have just no idea that anything else ever exists. And so the fact that you brought up an open relationship to your boyfriend at 17. Yeah. Like, you obviously had some other background growing up. I, I spent a lot of time on the internet, I think, <laughs> is what it was. The first time I read about an open relationship, I was I was following this online fic that was about like werewolves and vampires, and the main character was in a love triangle. And instead of her picking one at the end, she picked both of them, and everybody was cool with it. And I was like, this makes more sense. <laughs> like, yeah. why are we fighting? Yeah. And I think yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to be like a teenager when I read that. And I'd seen open relationship floating around and stuff. I also just think my background is a little more open. It's not as classic. My my mom was a sex worker. My dad's very blue collar and he like ran a bar at one point on top of everything. So I think the ideas around sex and relationships just weren't super traditional in my family. Right. Like to not, not to go ahead, but like when I told my dad, it was just like in so many words and he was like, I don't care. I don't want to deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, so one, one thing you said when, when you told, when you asked your boyfriend or told your boyfriend about wanting to be non-monogamous, you had mentioned that it was unethical and you don't recommend doing Mm -hmm. it. What was it that you felt was unethical about you putting that on the table the way that you did? Well, I don't think it should be something that fixes a relationship. An open relationship should be something both people want. And throughout the, I'm going to say year and a half after that, that we were still together, if he was trying to maybe see a girl, I would kind of just be a little sad in his direction and he would stop. So I think there's like a little bit of manipulation going on and like, I think there's also the power dynamic that like I'm arguably more attractive than him, which is a thing. People don't want to talk about it, I guess. But like, you know, I was like a burgeoning woman and he was just like, you know, regular dude. So in that time that we were together, I had seen maybe two other people. And then we broke up just because we were growing apart. But the catalyst was, I guess we had made an agreement that I didn't remember making that he would always come first. So I, and I made plans with someone else and like, while we had plans that I didn't know we had plans. And then my ex got upset and like, it just was one of those conversations where like, you realize it's a breaking point and like the relationship doesn't work. Right. When you kind of, you kind of answered the question then of like, once he sort of agreed to this, well, mm-hmm. we could maybe say under duress, you know, mm-hmm. loosely that he was 
you know, doing this, but how did it play out? And you've kind of talked a little bit Mm -hmm. about that and that it almost feels like the unethical piece, like you said, was you wanted to explore, but if he tried to explore, you didn't say he couldn't, you just kind of made him feel shitty about it for a little while until he stopped doing it. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, Oh, and I was like a teenager and it was stupid. And I feel bad about it genuinely because I would never do this now. I just think I wasn't ready to challenge the, um, whatever feelings of jealousy or like not having him on demand, like I was used to. Cause when you transition a relationship, I think it's really difficult. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So where did, where did your journey take you after that relationship? After that relationship, I was single for two years. So on and off, I didn't openly identify as polyamorous, but I kind of just did my own thing. I went to college in a small Southern Jersey town. And it's very like wannabe South, lots of Confederate flags. It's a, it's a great place for a bisexual black woman. I yeah, so it was amazing. <laughs> so I think I had, I had a lot of trouble dating in that area because um, I was everybody's like first black girl. And I was I'm just very open and very like openly sexual and like, I'm just very, for lack of a better word, down. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do whatever. Or like I make myself available when I want to see people. And I think people didn't see me as someone they would want to bring home off of, based off of a racial dynamic. So I was often like sidelined or treated, just, you know, ignored or ghosted. So I think that like created a bit of a complex. So about two years, I dated someone for a little while that was not so great. And the relationship would have been monogamous but it just was never consistent. And then I met my ex-boyfriend in like this kind of beautiful, but like depressing whirlwind. Like we we met on Tinder, but actually I should backpedal a little bit because I did meet someone who was essentially non-monogamous and still is after me and my first boyfriend broke up. I met him in an art class. He was 12 years older than me and... Yeah, I was like 19 at the time. So I was like, I don't know about this. And he was very openly like, you know, I don't want to be in another relationship again. But he was always very kind to me. And we got along really well. So eventually, like, we went on a date and we started seeing each other. And just like, we're very friendly. And I kind of had gotten it in my head. Oh, okay, maybe we'll be in a polyamorous relationship. Like, I'm super down for that. And I think that was just me being like naive and like 19, 20 at the point. So I didn't mind that he was sleeping with other people, but it was just really nice and refreshing to be open about it. Even though we weren't in a relationship, like the relationship became intimate. And this is somebody I still see to this day. But then, yeah, after about two years, I saw my ex-boyfriend. We initially spoke on the phone for like six hours. This is the one you met on Tinder. Yeah, this is the one I met on Tinder. I'm sorry. So at this point, I want to say I'm like 22. So I I meet my ex on Tinder. I had invited someone else over for a booty call and it didn't, it fell through. So like, I'm like, all right, I've been talking to this guy. Like he's not going to kill me. I had like five roommates too. So it's like, you know, we like talked last night until 6am. I know you're tired. Do you want to like come over and cuddle? (laughs) It was like so dumb. We met at a bar and he didn't know how to order a beer. Oh, wait, 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 wait. How do you not know how to order a beer? That seems... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he was he was nervous. And I guess he... And he was a little... He was a few years older than me. So he had more time to drink. 
but yeah, he, I guess, I don't know, honestly, but yeah, he was like fumbling with the beer and he got lucky because it was trivia night and it was super loud. So we were like, you know what, let's just go back to my place. I feel like you probably took advantage of him just based on like, <laughs> where this is going, not to like stereotype, yeah. what the, but, but I feel like you're like, well, he was fumbling his beer and I was going to show him a thing or two about how it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I know actually, but like the thing is, the funny thing is when we got back to my house, we watched like an episode of some show with my roommates. And then we went upstairs. I spent like 45 minutes trying to find something for us to watch on Netflix. We settled on planet earth There you go. and then like, we were making out before like the credits even began. So it was, it was pointless, but that night we, we spent a lot of time together and we both talked about like wanting to be in polyamorous relationships and how it would work. I really didn't want to do monogamy at that time. It didn't make sense for me. However, I, we also got so intensely and rapidly close after I want to say a month of dating, I was like, listen, I don't, I don't know about like dating other people right now or being open. Like, I think the most I could do is swing. And he goes, okay, that's fine. But like little do I know he wasn't, he wasn't happy about that. That wasn't enough for him, which is totally valid. But he just didn't feel like he could broach the subject with me for fear of losing me. So there are a lot of other things going on. He was having some health issues and I was working full-time, going to school full-time. So it was a lot of like anxiety, like just very intense, very codependent relationship overall. Around Christmas, we came to a head about the non-monogamy thing and we broke up over it because I was just like in this ridiculous emotional state where I was like, I I can't do this. Like if you really want to be with other girls, like openly, not swinging, I'm not there. Like I I don't want to do it. We broke up for like two days. We wrote each other some, <laughs> we wrote each other some letters and then we got back together with the idea that we would have a plan to be non-monogamous, but it would be a gradual thing. It's interesting that the roles were almost flipped completely mm-hmm. from, you know, the conversation you had mm-hmm. in the car with your boyfriend, you know, after work to now it was you were the one who didn't really want this to be was someone different. Well, I understand mm-hmm. that's oh, what I'm yeah. saying. Okay. Like with a different, in a different relationship yeah. that like the roles were flipped 180 degrees, pretty much that you were sort of doing non-monogamy to appease this new boyfriend, which mm-hmm. was, it was very interesting. Yeah. It's cause it's always something I've wanted when it boils down. That relationship itself was not secure for a lot of reasons. We both had a lot of mental health issues. We just, he didn't feel comfortable broaching subjects with me or like kind of advocating for himself. He kind of minimized his own problems in order to, because mine felt bigger to him. So it caused a lot of conflict because there was no conflict. So, but also I was working full-time, going to school full-time. We lived an hour apart from each other. So he would, he would come over on my days off. So we'd spend those two full days together. It, It was hard to figure out time to, do everything with a schedule like that. And also on the flip side, he wasn't working um, because he had recently had an injury and then like his field was difficult to get into. So it was two very different situations between both both of us. No, for sure. I just, it was, Mm -hmm. it was just an interesting sort of correlation is the right word, but an interesting sort of switch that Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. 
I think the first relationship, I had a lot of power and I felt that. And because I didn't have the language um, to contextualize it, I used it. And after I left that relationship, I realized, you know, I, I can't be like this. This is not good. But also I realized I don't want to date people who I can essentially take advantage of because for me, it's very natural to, I guess, take what, like, I'm going to advocate for myself as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And if someone can't advocate for themselves, if they're kind of just going to lie down and do whatever I say, it, then I'm kind of just going to get whatever I want. And I, I want to be accountable to my partner. Like, I want a partner that can hold me accountable, which did happen yeah. the second time around. He just wasn't good about advocating for himself on smaller issues that ended up being a lot bigger. Right, right. So how did it end up working out with, with this guy? So you you had this plan to be polyamorous. Mm-hmm. You had the, the, the five-year plan. And mm-hmm. I guess, how did <laughs> how did it all play out? So I was kind of like, you know, I need my life to calm down before we start doing this. We were thinking about starting with threesomes. So it's May. I graduate from college. All right, cool. I, that's like 30 hours a week. I have free all of a sudden. Amazing. So I'm like, you know, if you want to start looking for girls, we can do that. We start or couples. So we like talked to a few people and we kind of, he wasn't ready all of a sudden. So I was like, okay, this is weird. I've just been feeling guilty about this for the past five months, but all right, like whatever. <laughs> so, um, we, we put a hold on it and then we kept like talking about it and talking around it. We went to a swingers club with our friends, but no one was there. (laughs) (laughs) It was the 4th of July. And just like my friends, my friend group is also really non-monogamous and like very sexually open. So like everybody just does whatever. So yeah, my friends, they, they were regular patrons at the swingers club and they're a commodity because they're like the only 21 year old single girls that would go to a swingers club in Atlantic city where I used to live. So we went there and nobody was there and like two, our friends hooked up, but we did, we didn't even have sex with each other there because <laughs> <laughs> it was like, ah, oh, whatever, we'll just scout it out. So then it kind of got to a point where we're going back and forth about it. We, we had rules too, because he lived an hour apart from me. I lived in Atlantic city. He lived outside of Philly. So we kind of continuously butted heads about, I I didn't want him to date people in my area because he would be driving all the way down and not seeing me. So it was kind of frustrating, but at the same time, I didn't want to be limited to dating people um, in Philly because there's 9 million people in Philly or something like that, probably less, but there's a significant amount of people in Philly. There are more queer people. There are more poly people. So we kind of butted heads about that. And then we realized if we were going to date together, given our schedules and then dealing with somebody else's schedule, it didn't make sense. So at one point we were just like, fuck it. We'll date separately. Like it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> just so much talking, but we decided to be don't ask, don't tell. Okay. At this point I'm working at a casino bar as like a cocktail waitress. And the place I worked for is like one of those, like all the waitresses have to wear corsets and stuff. <laughs> um, like everybody's like in their twenties going to college or like stuff like that. Yeah. And you had a dress code. <laughs> yeah. Dress code. I couldn't lose or gain more than 7% of my body weight. Like I, they technically could tell us to wear makeup and like 
stuff, but they didn't really regulate it. But yeah, it was all, we had a contract. Right. So at this place, like I, I just met this guy who was like older than me. He was cool. He's from New York. And I was like, cool, this works. So after meeting him, I had been done with the talking with my ex. It was getting really frustrating to talk back and forth and not come to terms. So that was kind of the point where I, I spoke to this guy, gave me his number. I'm like, all right, one, he lives in New York. It's fine. We'd been talking around it, but we didn't get to a point where we could actually make decisions. So this guy gives me his number. I'm like, what do I do with this? So I like text my boyfriend and I'm like, is this cool? And he's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, because you had agreed on the don't ask, I was going to say, tell. you just broke the don't ask, don't tell rule. Why? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, don't ask, like, don't throw it in each other's face. And it, obviously if you're going to ask, no, like, there's not going to be any lying. Okay. But we were very much hiding the people we were seeing from each other. It was harder for me to hide it because I was dating people who lived in New York. So it'd be obvious when I went to New York that I was seeing people, even if I was just going to visit my dad who lived there. And then I don't, it kind of got weird because we agreed not to talk to each other, but talk about it like the other people we were seeing, he really just wanted to have sex with other people. I wanted to have relationships with other people. And I mean, it didn't have to be like, it would be of a secondary nature, but I also didn't want to write it in stone that we wouldn't, you know, have full blown like relationships with other people. If that makes sense. Like our rules were very, a little muddy. I guess I should say, <laughs> or like our intentions. Cause we were just trying to figure it out. We had talked in circles for almost like a year and a half about the same thing. We were like, fuck it. Let's just do it. And like, there's no more we can talk about like past this. So he started, I started seeing the guy in um, New York. Like we were just going on dates and I was like talking to some other people and I, I didn't really want it to be don't ask, don't tell the whole time. We just were seeing it as a bridge, but it's, it's really difficult to functionally do don't ask, don't tell unless it's like a zip code rule, I would say, because you're sneaking around and you kind of have to like lie a little bit. And that's what happened. I wasn't lying or anything, but it would be, he would disappear. And like, at this point he's still not working. So like, I know you're not doing anything. <laughs> I know you, you can answer my text. So if you're not answering my text, I'm like, are you with somebody? It's okay. If you tell me you're with somebody like that's, it's fine. I just want to know. I don't want, I just don't want you to be ignoring me. My anxiety is too bad for that. And like, I have a complex about people just not replying to my text messages. And I wanted to sit in those feelings of discomfort because I think that's one of the ways you normalize it for yourself. Like, the way I was getting over my partner being with others was by literally picturing him with other people. And I'd be like, okay, how do I feel? Like, why does this make me feel this type of way? And then I would, I would continue to do it until it didn't make me feel weird. So I was really, I was coming along with it pretty easily. Him being with other people wasn't a problem to me it just started getting strange and deceptive on his end. And he was getting hurt feelings a lot because 
I think part of it was because like the guy I was seeing was like older and he was like kind of wealthy and it was the antithesis of what he was because he wasn't really working. He was like in a rut. And then he would, so he would go and see this girl and I'd, I'd be texting him. I'm like, Oh, it's fine. If you're with somebody, just please tell me. And then he'd be like, Oh no, I'm with my friends. I'm like, okay, you're with your friends, but you can't answer the phone. <laughs> so it was it wasn't the like you said it wasn't the act of being with other people it was the just don't lie to me about it yeah that was, you're not doing anything wrong yeah right and it happened more than once he he would tell me well i'm afraid of your reaction in the moment and like because i'm there i don't want to like put these girls in a weird situation and I'm like, well, if you just tell me like you're with someone, like I'm going to be fine. Like I'll sit and deal with my emotions. Like I'm a big girl, <laughs> but yeah, that kept happening. And then borderline, our relationship just was really rocky. Yeah. Right. It wasn't secure in terms of attachment. We, we just weren't aligning on a lot of things. So yeah. And so did that relationship end up ending then? At that point? Yes. So it ended because we went to a really big argument, almost broke up on a Saturday. The next day I had a date. So I went (laughs) and I went on that date. I didn't expect to have sex on the first date with the guy, but it did. But the condom broke. So I had to go back and tell my partner before we were to have sex because we were, we were fluid bonded. We weren't using condoms. So I'm like, Oh fuck, what am I going to (laughs) do? Like the first time I have like sex with somebody outside of our relationship and the condom breaks and we're already like not super happy with each other. So I called him and I told him it happened. I was like, I want you to know before you come over here. He got really upset that I had still gone on a date with somebody after we got into that big argument and I, we couldn't come to terms with whether that was okay or not. Like I thought it was fine because I was like, this is my relationship with somebody else. Like it's got nothing to do with our relationship. He just thought it was not good for me to have done that. So then like the day after he still wasn't talking to me and I was like, okay, (laughs) we got to deal with this. And then we broke up. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that was really your first, I don't, I wouldn't say it was your first non-monogamous relationship, but that was like the first one where you really were calling it a polyamorous. Yes relationship and it sounds like it had mixed results but that you probably learned a lot throughout the (laughs) throughout that time yeah I learned a lot from that relationship like in terms of how I move in terms of like the polyamory I want to do like lord knows I would never do don't ask don't tell again and I tell anyone who asks me for advice like just don't do it if you're doing it you're not ready right Right. So, so with all of this knowledge coming out of that, mm-hmm. how did you move forward and maybe where did it, like, what did you decide was your type of polyamory or your type of non-monogamy and where has it taken you to today? So when me and my ex broke up, it was February and I was gearing up to move back to New York where I was born. So like for that few months, I was kind of like putting my life together. I started seeing the aforementioned like open person, but we had more language for it. Now we were like, okay, I get it. Like you're polyamorous. You just don't have the words for it. And you, the people who are around here, you have to tell them, I don't want to be in a relationship because they aren't going to understand it. 
So I was like somebody who could be honest with about that because he had um, gathered the language for that. So it was, it was, I think it was really healing to start seeing him again. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to New York. <laughs> and the community is a lot, lot more open. So I didn't have that I was non-monogamous on my profile, but I was like super open for it. I I still wasn't sure what I wanted in a relationship, but like a month after I moved to New York, I met my current partner who is in an open marriage and they're a hundred percent poly and it just worked out. (laughs) Like he's like 10 years older than me. So they, they've been doing it for like four years. So it was easier for him to kind of show me the ropes in like a more ethical way and like figure everything out. And it helped me, I, I guess, he like heal a lot in terms of what I need from a partner. Like my current partner, Alex, is just very, he was very, very helpful in my healing journey for mm-hmm. <laughs> lack of a better word, just because I think when you have a series of relationships where you're asking people to be something just consistently over and over and over again, and then you finally meet somebody who does it, without question, you kind of learn, oh wait, it's not me. (laughs) Like I'm not being unrealistic. And I, I think I was always made to feel like a fully polyamorous relationship was unrealistic because I never thought I could be solo poly, which is what I identify as now. I always thought like, okay, I need like an anchor. I need to feel like the most important person to at least one person. But I think that all came from a lack of Mm self-development. So I met Alex in the summer and he had also just met his other partner like a month before. So he's getting into two very like intense relationships at the same time. Plus his primary, like his... Plus he's married, yeah. yeah. So I, I met his wife, I think a month after we started dating. We all went to a this is one of the funny things about the relationship. So, um, I met Bridget when we were going to a play party. So I met her in their apartment for like 15 minutes. We talked and then Alex and I went to dinner. (laughs) And then the next time I met her, she was being flogged by her dom. And I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) And honestly, that night was still a lot for me because I wasn't new. I wasn't used to, you um, like people being so open and what like just free about it. And my relationship with Alex at the time, we didn't know like what was happening. It was like so new. So like somebody else, like as a goodbye, like started making out with him. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't expect this. Um, like, I'm like, I don't know who this is. And like, we realized we had gone into the party without discussing boundaries. So we like backpedaled and talked about it, but I was just like, oh, that made me uncomfortable. I just didn't anticipate it. Like I was like, oh, I know, obviously like you're going to kiss your wife or whatever, but they also like, it helped that we met, like, but we both went with different dates. Like he came with me and she came with her partner and we didn't even really hang out that much during the party. We just like separated and like him and I just spent most of the time together. So it's sort of now a mix of poly, but also like some, ca- like ca- it sounds like casual play parties are, or at least were on the table were. before, <laughs> in the before in times. The before times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it sounds like it's, 
again, it's really opened up to, you know, like you said, the, like your self-development has opened things up to where mm-hmm. you're okay with solo poly and you don't have to be the primary to somebody and, yeah. and also going to like a more casual play environment. It, it sounds like, you know, it's, it caught you off guard, the like mm-hmm. just making out, but yeah. The, that you've learned and had the the discussions about that. Yeah. I think the one thing I will credit, like my last relationship is that we did have really good communication. We just didn't know how to resolve our issues because I don't think we could have, we got too much in this space where we thought things were supposed to be a certain way. And when they had to change, we weren't prepared to do it. Mm-hmm. We're in the space to like grow together. We had to grow separately. Whereas like with my current partner, I went into it, this knowing the situation. I'm like, all right, you're married. Like, great. Me and his wife get along really well. Like sometimes I'll like sleep over and she'll be like, do you want, they have a one bedroom cause it's Brooklyn. <laughs> and she'll be like, do you want to sleep on the, in the bed? Like I'd rather sleep on the couch. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like it's that level of like, we don't care. Yeah. And like the, the paths do not cross. Like I don't, I don't have a relationship with her other than like a friendship and it just ended up that way. Mm-hmm. And then I'm um, like, it did take me a while to meet his other partner. I would say about three months because there were like some minor conflicts and I just didn't know how I was going to feel because I think like, it's one thing to have to meet like the person he lives with, the person that's literally not going anywhere or as, um, meeting someone who's like more in your playing field where the emotions are like probably equal, I guess feels a bit more threatening or like, I didn't know what that situation would be like. I'd figure it out, Mm -hmm. but I think I did wait too long to meet his other partner because I just built it up in my head and made it into this thing where like, you know, with my anxiety, which is like clinical, I started fixating on things. So like him with her, like him with his other partner, like just these little details that I had known. And I think I like just inflated her to not being a real person, which wasn't fair to her. Like the minute Mm -hmm. I met her, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like it was nothing. We were fine. Yeah. But I think that was just like baby lessons after we got through that hurdle. Like I don't, there haven't been any like significant problems other than the whole pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Other than that problem. Yeah. How Mm -hmm. long have you been together with him? Like a year now. Awesome. And have, and throughout that time, have you also exercised your polyamorous given right to date other people or have you largely been monogamous in a sense? I want to say for the first three or four months we were, I was mostly just with him. Oh no, I wasn't. I was dating someone else at the time too. <laughs> I just forgot. <laughs> yeah. I date, I was dating a girl for like six weeks, which was really nice, but it just didn't work out. And the main issue was at first when I moved to New York, I moved back to my hometown in Jamaica, Queens, which is so much further than where everyone else is. It's to 34 to the city. It's like 45 minutes on the train. Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to come out there. And I was living with my dad. Nobody was coming there. So that those first few months I was doing that. And then I moved to Brooklyn. So it became a lot easier for me to date. But then like, Everybody was just kind of disappointing. (laughs) I think one of the issues you run into when you have a really good partner is that you're like, okay, like. It puts your time in perspective, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Your standards go up, your time becomes super valuable. And you're like, well, why, if I could spend time with this super awesome person, why mm-hmm. would I, I don't, yeah, it raises the bar. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'm like, why am I going to spend time with this person who like already said something offensive on the first date? Yeah. <laughs> so like when I could just not. Um, so I, I think I became a lot pickier. Just overall moving to New York has made it a lot easier because when I lived in Jersey. It felt like I didn't have a lot of options. And then I felt like I didn't have any poly options. So I'm able to kind of contextualize that there's anything I can do. And like, there's always more people. So I don't want to say like, why settle, but like, there's someone out there that's going to meet my standards and that's going to make me happy. And like, I'm already happy. So I'm not going to waste my time with people who like, why am I spending time with this person if it doesn't make me feel good right it's not that you're not open to meeting new people Mm -hmm. or giving people a chance but like your your filter is very strong like Mm -hmm. like you said it's like a one-day filter like if you say something offensive like you don't have to sit and justify that now and be like well it was only one offensive thing we'll give them another world right there's another one to come and i'll say like the boundaries in my relationship are kind of funny like my my partner he won't tell me like what to do ever but I think to a detriment, I was, I was talking to a guy and I was telling him like, this is somebody different. And I'm on, I used to do phone calls before my first dates because I live so far away from everybody that I'm like, okay, am I going to drive an hour through traffic to see you? I, we got to figure this out. So I spoke to him on the phone and I, like I mentioned before, I'm just very openly about sexuality and stuff, but I don't like speak about it in a titillating way. It's just matter of fact, like these things happened. So I I was recounting to him the, the play party I'd gone to with my partner and like, you know, the good, the bad about it. Like, uh, the lights were too bright (laughs) stuff like that. Oh, there wasn't enough seating. And then he told me like a little bit of some things, cool phone call over. And then like, I'm driving to see the girl I was seeing at the time. And he, like sent me just this very like suggestive thing that like meant that he was masturbating while I was talking to him on the phone. And I was like, why do you have to ruin it? <laughs> I was like, why? So I, because I was driving, he sent me that text. And I didn't reply. And then like I parked and by then he had been like too much. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> but I was still going to go on the date. <laughs> so I call, I called my boyfriend and I was like, yeah, this weird thing happened. So he's just like, well, where are you going for that date? And I was like, oh, we're, we're going to meet at this bar. And he was like, just, just make sure you have your location on. <laughs> he's like, I just want to make sure. And then I called my best friend and she was like, that guy's a pervert. He's disgusting. Please don't see him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's like kind of those like, oh, do whatever you want. But like, you're going to figure it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it kind of falls into the blooper category a little bit. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I've ever had that happen. If if it's happened, no one's ever told me that they've been masturbating while talking to me. I wonder Plus. how many people masturbate to our podcast. <laughs> yes. There's there's other For the record, hand check, I'm not masturbating yeah. right now. So <laughs> there there are uh, raunchier podcasts, I would say. So Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the first like sex mention. I was like, Oh, we're at a play party. Someone got vlogged, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I um, 
it's also like just the kink community, which is very open. Um, you do have to be careful with it. And like, we were talking about kink situations and there were definitely more red flags in that conversation. Cause he was sending me pictures of like these very long butt plugs. And I was like, not for me. And he was like, no, for me. And I was like, okay, like I'll try it. <laughs> but it, this was all before we had met. So it was kind of weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you said before that you're a very open person and that you did tell your dad, are, mm-hmm. are you open to everyone pretty much in your life? And if you received any, like, I guess not necessarily backlash, but pushback, pushback. Or, yeah. Negative vibes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm open with everybody. I, I, it's, I'm too shameless when I was living in Jersey and me and my ex were talking about being poly. Everybody was like, you are fucking out of your mind. She's like, why? Like a lot of, why are you guys even dating? Like you, you clearly just don't want to really be together. Like, Oh, your issues are because you want to open the relationship, stuff like that. Or people just, I don't know. But whenever I'd start a new job, I'd like test the playing field a little bit (laughs) to see like, okay, how open-minded are people here? But usually my coworkers were just like very happy about my stories. They were like, okay, I guess this is what's Gabby going to say today. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, nothing. And like you said, your dad didn't care. He didn't, didn't want to (laughs) know. Yeah. He just doesn't want the information. Like it's also like how I came out as queer to my dad. My dad was like saying something homophobic and I just was like, you know, I date girls. Right. And he was like, (laughs) he just was like, well, it's none of my business. I like sputtering and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. So, and now he knows, like, when he tries to bait me into, because my dad's, like, an old black man. Like, very classic. My dad's from Brooklyn. My dad's from Brownsville, Brooklyn. He's retired. Like, everything. He He's just openly homophobic. And I'm like, can we not do this? But Alex helped me move all my stuff, and he didn't take his ring off. Just, like, nobody noticed. So, one time my dad was driving me to Jersey to, I had to do some DMV stuff. And I was on my phone. I was laughing at my phone. He's like, oh, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, oh, this girl I'm seeing, she said something funny. So he was just like, well, what does Alex think about that? Because at that point he had met him. And I was like, Alex is married. Like, you, you didn't see his ring? My dad was just like, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom, I when I was living at home with my first boyfriend, my mom knew we were in an open relationship. So she knew like going forward, my relationships were open, but like when I moved to New York, it's super obvious now. And she was just like, could you tell me how to be a player like you? And I'm like, that's, that's not it. But then she'll be at the, then she'll be at the play parties with you and then it'll be even more awkward. It'll be, yeah, I'm, we're not, I don't want to do, yeah. My mom was like, you know, back in the day, I used to go to the swingers clubs, like with, we wouldn't do anything, but I would go. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, mom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah my, my mom was she was a dancer she was a stripper so of course she was like people probably paid her to go to those parties just to like have beautiful women there but yeah I don't know I think having that unconventional background definitely just makes it so much easier for me to be open about everything and I mean I just don't really it's not the craziest thing in the world I think I know it completely non-monogamy completely challenges people's perceptions 
of all relationships. And I think the closer and closer you get to like relationship anarchy, when you do it yourself, and I don't, I don't identify as a relationship anarchist, but the closer you go to that, you start recontextualizing every relationship you have and your idea of relationships and what they should be. And then you start thinking about marriage and institutions and like, when you boil everything down, it, you realize it's not real. People are just telling us it's real. And for me, someone like with a background in Africana studies, these like monogamous structures, they're not founded in like, they're mostly found in Eurocentric cultures. You have like evidence of like co-wives, which is like, I don't remember the specific thing, but it's in an, I read it in an Audre Lorde book about essentially like lesbians and relationships together. Like they just kind of married a man, but the, they would have a wife as well and all these things. So I think it, it's just more natural for me is what I've realized. I'm somebody who's thankfully not very jealous. I kind of equate to jealousy with anger and I'm not an angry person. I've definitely had a lot of insecurity, but I've spent a lot of time un- unwinding it. For sure. Like right. I've been making content on my Instagram for ENM and I, I did this thing, is jealousy even real? Because I think when you deconstruct jealousy, it's a lot easier to understand and analyze and get over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's it's awesome that you know, when you started this journey, you know, again coming out of work at the casino and sitting in the car with your boyfriend and you you kind of talked about how you didn't have the words for it. You didn't have the words for polyamory mm-hmm. or non-monogamy. It was just like, we want to do this thing. We don't know what it is. And it sounds like fast forward to today, you've researched it fairly well, like fairly mm-hmm. rigorously. You've done a lot of work. You, you know, you have the, the verbiage and a really strong foundation and understanding for that. And I guess maybe would you be willing to share some of, some of where that came from? Like, was it, from Alex and his partner, mm-hmm. or did you dive into books and podcasts and I don't know, movies? I think growing, I have a basis of like one feminism. And I think that teaches you a lot about like equitable relationships. Cause when we look at movies and media, we don't get good relationship models. And I think growing up, I never had good relationship models. So baseline, I knew, um, okay, like what is a good relationship? I've been searching for that a lot or what is a healthy relationship. So I've read a lot about how we should interact and communicate. The polyamory subreddit I is really where I got like most of the information and like verbiage, I would say. But I, I, I have learned a lot from my partner and my own experiences. They the way Bridget and Alex opened up, they were having group sex and then they just started seeing a couple. And through that they learned a lot. And then I think they had pretty much just like fully opened up a few months before he met me. So I was his first like, quote unquote, real girlfriend separate of like them dating together. So we did like all learn in a lot of ways, but I think all you really need to like complete everything is to have a lot of really emotionally mature people because when you have people who know, who can actually talk about their feelings and, um, articulate okay this is bad and constantly reassure each other and like reiterate like your feelings are valid um whether or not like they apply to the situation 
is another thing. Right. But no, I've just, I've read a lot. I've journaled a lot and I've been on subreddits a lot. That's how I learned a lot about sex too. Cause I, I didn't have sex for like a year and a half in my first relationship. Cause I was scared and I do, knew it didn't have to hurt. So I just like read and read and read, but mostly older, older poly people and like my own mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's, and I think it's fantastic too, that you're giving, you know, giving that information back by okay. writing about it and putting articles out there, putting the work you're doing out on Instagram. So, right. so thank you for that. I mean, yeah. Incredible. And we'll yeah. have links to some of that stuff in our show notes too. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think so. Instagram makes everything more palatable and it makes it a lot easier for people to process this information. But I've always, I attack everything from I'm a queer black woman and I'm solo polyamorous, which I think is rare. Most people are in primary partnerships or they're in triads. And I wanted to represent that. And also I just like, it's kind of surprising to me how much people don't know, but I think it's because I've just been in this world for so long. And my reaction is just to Google everything immediately and like find as much information on it so I can understand it. Because the more you understand and illuminate, the more it's not scary. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. How do you approach the, you know, keeping yourself safely? You talked about Mm -hmm. you were going to potentially go meet the phone masturbator. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like how, how do you, how do you keep yourself safe, both, you know, your sexual health and just your physical health? And, and, you know, I guess that, that rolls into the COVID question, right? Yeah. And maybe not, not that we want to dwell on it, but it is mm-hmm. a real thing. And I imagine you're out trying to keep yourself safe, just mm-hmm. like all of us are. Yeah. The COVID thing is a big one because we, we, it was hard for us to run into that one, especially being in New York City. As of now, like sexually, my partner and I are fluid bonded. And then technically him and his wife are. We get tested every three months about and it's just like the two of us for the most part having sex with each other without condoms um if i have female partners it's not we we don't use um dental dams or anything but that was a conversation we me and him had and he was like whatever it's fine and then group play yeah we always use condoms as well so just kind of like being really transparent it would be a big issue if him or I had unprotected sex with somebody else because it's just a communication thing. And I'm also on birth control, like the pill, a good old pill. But physically, I mean, my, my roommate has my location all the time. So I'm like, well, if I'm going out you die, and I die, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I mean, everyone, we also like share Google calendars. And I'm pretty good about if I'm say going to a bar, I'm just going to put my, I'm going to put the location of the bar in the calendar. Right. Uh, As well as like with him, but like he doesn't have my location or anything now, although because of COVID we might change it. So going into COVID actually, it it became this huge situation. Alex lives with his wife. His wife has another partner. And for the first, I want to say up until June, we completely like, it was a closed circuit pretty much. He would, they have a car, thankfully. So he would come here or I would go over there and that was it. His other partner was like on the West coast. She like fled the city as many people did. So, um, that wasn't a conversation that we had to have. And then Bridget would see her partner 
So we all agreed on that. So around June, late June, we decided to start like socially distantly dating. We just go to picnics with people. And I have started seeing people, but the agreement has become, I get, if I am intimate or like in breathing space with anybody, I will get COVID tested before I am intimate with my partner. Otherwise we will be socially distant. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, I mean, thank you for, for sharing mm-hmm. and shedding some light on that. Cause I think mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to hear how people start, right. If we'd had this conversation even two months ago, three months ago, it would have just been like, Nope, it's not even a thing. But now as people yeah. are starting to break, break their bubbles, poke little holes in them, it's, it's yeah. really fascinating to hear, you know, how that's happening. What agreements are made yeah. and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's similar conversation to like sexual health. and Yeah, safety. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, how many people are you around? And also like, I feel like I pretty thoroughly vet people, like the partnerships I've had, like it took a month or two months for us to even like, or rather I've be- the partnerships I've begun, it's taken us a month or two months to even like get to that point where we're like, okay, let's both get COVID tested so we can see what's going on because you kind of have to analyze how people are with their life and see if they're trustworthy or if they're like secretly running around in the streets. Um, because as much as we want to be uh, sexually open and date as much as we want, it's just not possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank mm-hmm. you again for sharing. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and in the essence of time, I guess, was there anything else that you wanted to share and make sure to get out there in the world? Unless you had more questions. No, I think, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. What, what have we not talked about that you really wanted to talk about? And if, you know, I don't know if you've had any bloopers in your, your experiences. I know mm-hmm. the, the, again, your phone masturbator, but the, yeah. I don't know if there was mm-hmm. something else that, that came to mind with that. We just, we like that question because it's kind of a lighthearted way to mm-hmm. end conversations, but by all means, if there's something that we're missing, please help us uh get this out in the world i yeah we've had like little bloopers where like (laughs) i've heard alex's wife has been like oh yeah i heard you guys having sex yesterday and i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i am so sorry she's like i don't care i'm like please (laughs) (laughs) or like i'll she'll accidentally see like a nude or something she's like i'm sorry and i'm like it's listen we share juices at this point (laughs) But yeah, no, I just, yeah, I think polyamory has a lot of dynamics and I think the baseline is monogamy is not wrong. It's just not right that it's the only option. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's awesome that you're out helping prove that it's not the only option. Yeah. 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 Everything's a journey. Like I went from open to full solo poly in like five years. So you don't have to stick with a label. Every relationship is different. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's perfect. And again, thank you for all the work you do for mm-hmm. sharing, obviously for sharing your story on our show, but you know, for putting the work out on Instagram for your, for writing about it and mm-hmm. for, yeah, being a, a badass advocate. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. And thank you guys for this podcast. No, we're, we're honored that anybody comes on here and shares their story. So, so it's, it's a community powered show show. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you again. And it's a little bit later there, so we'll let you go and have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Bye. Bye guys. Have a good one. And we're back. 
take three. You're not doing it this time? No, because you just threatened to kill me. and we You had to just rewrite. threatened to rate everything I did in life. So that's why. <laughs> I think the listeners would back me up. We've been watching too much Instant Hotel on Netflix. <laughs> Which, if you haven't watched it, is a really stupid show, but it's also addicting. <laughs> and so we have now implemented a rating system. No, we have not. We are not rating anything. Fine, I'm rating everything. No, okay, you, you can rate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're not rating me. I get a lot of tens. I don't know how that happens. Okay, that's good for you. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Gabrielle, for coming on the show and sharing your story. This is like the fourth time I've said this and Finn is laughing at me, but really, we appreciate it. Three out of ten. <laughs> no, three out of ten. we're not rating anything. <laughs> Say thank you at least. I, Of course. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. It was uh, wonderful to chat with you. And thank you for putting out into the world all the work you do, uh, your writing and, and the, the um, content that you're creating. So truly thank you very much. Yes. And links to everything she talked about and her writing will be in the show notes. Without a doubt. So a couple quick things we said in that intro that we're going to talk a little bit more about our meet and greet and Patreon. Why are you smiling? I'm just thinking about how many times we had to redo that and it was funny. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Patreon and meet and greet. So virtual meet and greet. If you aren't familiar, we've been doing monthly virtual meet and greets for a few months now since I think May and they have been growing and they are amazing. So, well, if I do say so myself, we're well, the Well, yeah, host. you're pretty humble. <laughs> So we bring everybody together into a giant Zoom room. We do a couple icebreaker questions, and then we start doing smaller breakout rooms with questions to help everybody get to know each other. So you're usually in a room with like two or three, maybe four other couples or people, and it's just a really fun way to get to know people. And we've actually gotten a lot of feedback that people have continued to stay in touch with each other, and they're building friendships and really building some real community around these. So. That was the entire goal, so we're super excited. And they are $10. They're open to everyone that wants to join yep. for $10. For $10. And the next one is scheduled for Friday the 13th, November 13th, that is. And if you want to join, you can head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the meet and greet tab, and all of the information on how to sign up will be there. You've also got links in the show notes of your podcast player to take you right there. Yes. And next up is Patreon. So this is separate from the virtual meet and greets, although you can also belong to both or join both, I should say. <laughs> Which many people do. Yes. So our Patreon community is growing. As we said in the beginning, we're super pumped about that. And just it's full of incredible, amazing people. I can't say enough thing, nice things about these people. Um, but we have a monthly Q&A and our next monthly Q&A is going to be on October 28th. We do a one at 9 p.m. Eastern, another one at 9 p.m. Pacific. These are pretty informal discussions, but they're fantastic discussions. They're places where people can bring anything they want to talk about, any questions that they want to ask us or the group, and we have really kick-ass discussions. Yeah, we also have an ongoing MeWe chat group for the $5 and up patrons, which is just a place where people bounce ideas off each other, share pictures of what's going on in their lives. It's really just a, a place to communicate and connect with other open-minded people without judgment. Yeah. And so we would love to have you join us, no pressure at all, uh, but head over to our website, normalizingonmonogamy.com, click on the Patreon button. You also forgot the women's group. So we also have a- forget it. I was deferring (laughs) it to you. We also have a women's group as part of our- Five out of 10 for me. Yes, five out of 10. I should should be on top of that. I got a five out of 10 on that one. (sighs) Yeah, if you're going to judge me, I'm going to start judging you. Um, 
Our next women's discussion call is November 11th. We also have a MeWe chat just for the women's group as well. So if that's anything you're interested in, we'd love to have you join us. Again, as Finn was saying, click on the Patreon tab on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And we are launching a men's group uh, as well. So that's coming up very soon. There's a a call at the end of October here to figure out how we're going to do that. Um, We also wanted to just maybe touch a note on, we call these a men's and women's group, but they're really open to anybody who feels comfortable really being in that space. So yes, that's really important. If you're if you're a trans man, trans woman, non-binary, and you feel like you fit in one or the other better, we are just sort of using these, unfortunately, sort of binary heteronormative terms. We apologize. It's we're trying to think of better ways to be inclusive, but be, also provide spaces right that are safe for yeah. everybody involved. So know that they are open spaces and safe spaces for you if you are part of the trans community or non-binary or anywhere on that spectrum. Yes. And next week, first off, a quick reminder to go check out Alt Playground. Oh, yes. And you can do so by using the links on our website or there just go directly to their website altplayground.net. And we'll have more information about the bus tour that the Front Porch Swingers are doing coming up soon. As it becomes available. Yes. Next week, we have an interview with Emily and Matt. Yep, we do. And it's a a fiery one. It's exciting. (laughs) So we hope to see you in a week. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show and to join us. And we hope you had a wonderful time. Yes. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. I think... 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Check mark. <laughs>